the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, co-host of the Smart Money Happy Hour, and my daughter is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. Jonathan is with us in Morganton, West Virginia. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Hello, Dave. Uh, Better than I deserve. How are you? Just the same, sir. How can we help? (laughs) Awesome. I've known your voice uh, for probably 20 years now. I'm 31. Uh, My father listened to you as I was a child. Uh, I strayed from the path a little bit uh, leaving college, but we're back on it now. Uh, We paid off about $110,000 in debt in three years. We're on baby step six. Uh, Wife and I got married in 2017. We are now expecting our fourth child in, uh, in February. Our oldest is four, turning five next month. And, uh, the Dang, that's a lot of kids. Got... <laughs> a lot of kids under uh, under oldest. five. I know. I'm the oldest of 11, so the more the merrier. Uh, God will provide. Amen. Uh, but our our house is 1,200 square feet. Uh, we bought, you know, what we could afford back in 2017. Um, salary has gone from about 90 to 160-ish uh, since then. Um, but my wife really wants more space for the fourth kid. Our house is only 1,200 square feet, and um, we're wondering if we should just, you know, be content, uh, pay off our house, and go from there, or if we should look at buying a bigger house or look at remodeling options. Uh, we really like the location we're at in our property. We've got five acres uh, out in the country. The kids love it. Um, but my wife has really been looking and, and wanting more space, and I'm wondering if I'm being a cheapskate um, and, and wanting to be content with what we have until we get it paid off. So in your mind, Jonathan, once you pay it off, would you be open to moving then? I I suppose. I suppose I would be. Or, or your, saving up money to do a remodel and get more space. What's your household income? Uh, so my wife is a stay-at-home homeschooling mother of our kids, and uh, I have a mining engineering degree. I work for a coal mine as a supervisor. Uh, my salary is one twenty. After bonuses last year, uh, our gross was one sixty. Okay. And our net worth is uh, net worth is four fifty right now. All we owe is uh, one fifty on the house, and it's probably worth two hundred or two twenty somewhere. Okay. In okay. Uh, I've done a lot of. Um remodels in my real estate life and um i would strongly recommend with that many children under the age of five that you not try to do a remodel um there would be a murder (laughs) it's just one of my wife's concerns yeah (laughs) I, i think you i think you like the acreage and i don't really blame you for that um that many kids in 1200 square feet is pretty tight um i don't think it's an unreasonable weird thing to say you know like we're not being out of control opulent or something like that to try to move up a little in house get a get a little bit more square footage uh since you're going to have uh this many chickens in the coop and so um mm-hmm. yeah i but I, I you know it might it might take a little time to find a piece of property that or a house that's a little larger on a piece of property because you like the acreage and again i don't blame you for that i like a little space myself 
Uh, I can't stand these things where they're crammed in on top of me. But uh, um, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, that, that so I, you do make enough money to sell that house and to move up into more square footage. You're just going to have to be careful about how you do it so that you don't take on too much house and that the payment mm-hmm. is no more than a fourth of your take-home pay. Yeah, and I think Jonathan's sitting down with your wife and you guys – you know, talking out like, hey, what do we want the next five to 10 years to be like in our home? What do we want it to feel like? Do we want the freedom of, do we value more acreage? Because I know when you're, you know, when you have kids like that, yeah, you're growing up and they're able to run and do stuff. Or do we value a neighborhood where there's other kids and we can all play? Like you, you guys have to really figure out your values and what you guys want your home to feel like and be as a family and then your house can reflect that. And so it may take some time to find something that meets both of those. But that's what I would try to kind of figure out. And, you know, and maybe in a season that you kind of give up some acreage to get some home, you know, a bigger home just to get through, you know, the kid years. And then once they hit middle school, you know, you can even move up again or, or change locations. So a house isn't forever. I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a major purchase and a big life move. Um, so you want to be wise about it. But, um, but yeah, I think you guys can can definitely afford something more. Yeah, I, the thing you want to guard against, folks, is, and Jonathan's trying to do this by asking the question, yeah. is this idea that you just always move up and always have a mortgage. Oh, I'm going to always have a mortgage, so I might as well move up. And I'll just move up, and I'll move up, and I'll move up. And it, it kind of falls in the same bucket of, oh, I got a $232 a month raise at the office, so I'm going to go take out a $300 car payment. Right. You know, and not, that that's not what we want to do. We want to go the other way. So, um, but, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, you, you didn't call me up and say she has a 4,000 square foot house and she wants a 6,000 square foot house. Sure. You know, you call me up. She's got a whole bunch of humans in 1,200 feet there. And she's homeschooling. Yeah. So man. there's room. For, I mean, like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's very justified. And so you, you, you could look at adding on to that current property, but I would advise against doing a rehab while you live in a house with a bunch of small children. I just I think it's a nightmare. stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've done minor renovations and I didn't like that. It was no fun. So uh, building a house is one thing where you're not living in it. Uh, that's a different project. That's a whole different thing. It's all the mess is over there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But if every night when you sit down to eat dinner, there's sawdust on your plate that starts to be old fast and um it doesn't and it, and it just seems to drag out forever so I, I would not recommend that just as a lifestyle decision more than the issue of uh, might also overbuild the neighborhood you might overbuild the price range all that kind of stuff but which is what a lot of people do when they add on but you know that's what you, these are the things you got to consider but it, it's a contentment is a big deal Mm-hmm. We often say, Rachel and I and every all the Ramsey personalities, that it's one of the most powerful of the financial principles. Uh, if you can learn to be content, you can get out of debt. If you can learn to be content, you'll always have margin in your budget. If you can learn to be content, you've got money to give and be generous with. If you can learn to be content, you've got a margin you can learn to put, you know, have money to put in investments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and on the other end of that, also wanting a level of space with these kids you know yeah, what I mean? like what she's reasonable. what she's presenting isn't in my opinion discontentment it's more just no, a quality just like, of I'm life crazy moments yes yeah, we have a, a lot of monkeys a in a small cage i mean it's just oh my gosh you know it's whew. i i keep all the grandkids and and we got a big house and it's not big enough so <laughs> 
They find ways to drive y'all crazy. <laughs> I love it's fantastic. them. Fantastic. They're awesome. This is the Ramsey Show. Fake it till you make it. It's popular career advice, but it doesn't work for very long. If you don't love what you do, you can't fake the enthusiasm and energy you need to win at work. You also can't fake your physical health and energy. Everybody knows we should eat more fruits and veggies, but fruit chews and veggie chips don't count. If you aren't winning physically, I promise you're limiting your opportunities to win professionally. Folks, I know you're going hard right now to pay off debt and get ahead professionally. You need another gear, and that's why Balance of Nature will help you. They help me. They give me the benefits of fresh, whole fruits and veggies in just seconds. The blend of 31 different fruits and veggies is powdered in an advanced process that locks in the nutrients. So go to balanceofnature.com and enter the promo code RAMSEY to get 35% off your first order and lock in a lifetime price as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com with the promo code RAMSEY for 35% off your first order. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today as we answer your questions about your life and your money. Hey, those of you that tuned in last night for the uh, student loan free live stream, uh, there were, I guess it looks like right now we probably had over 100,000 people already view it. Thank you for that. We really appreciate you guys turning out. And uh, Rachel and Jay did a stellar job, and um, I bookended it. So there we go. Hey, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Hopefully it, a, it helped those of you that was really tuned in. That's good what we content. The way you guys did what y'all did covering the budgeting stuff was really good. Well, yeah. I we well, we wanted tactical stuff. And I feel like that's one thing that's so hard, especially with these payments coming in October for a lot of people. They're looking at their money and they're like, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't even have margin right now. So um, hopefully us kind of walking through and showing you examples of what it looks like to cut, what it looks like on the income side to you know, even looking at pausing investing, how much money that can bring back in each paycheck. So yeah, we got really detailed in it, but I think, um, I mean, you took it, the every dollar app and actually built a budget live on the thing. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, and, and actually the link I think is up still at ramseysolutions.com slash student loans or on, um, Oh, you can watch or it on still? YouTube. Okay. Uh, so right. make sure, yeah, to check it out. Cause we put out, put it out last night, hoping that, uh, it well, gives you guys direction. And also we're heading to Chicago uh, momentarily, and we'll be up there to do smart conference Friday night and all day Saturday. If you're in the Chicago land area, don't have your tickets, get them, get them. But the morning session, uh, the first couple of hours on the couple of money talks will be Jade and George, and they will be live streamed for free. Uh, you don't have to pay a thing. You can just watch the uh, the startup of Saturday morning smart conference. And so make sure you check all this out. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash events. And again, that's Friday evening and Saturday if you're in Chicago. Uh, if you're not and want to catch the live stream in that Saturday morning, it will be live and it will be Jade and George and a little bit from you. A little bit, right? Uh, no. Nope. 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 Okay. I'm in the afternoon. <laughs> okay. Maybe a little bit from me. I do an intro video that says that's hello. That's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. And, and I'm, doing, I'm doing a little intro thing, yes. too. So, yeah. Yes. All right. You'll see us. Jason is in Shreveport. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dave? Better than I deserve. What's up? <laughs> okay. So I'm 40 years old. I am a classically trained opera singer and music teacher. When I was 27, I was working on my PhD. I had a grand mal seizure that year. The next year, I had another grand mal seizure. I was diagnosed with epilepsy. Mm. 
fast forward to 2020, I had my second brain surgery three weeks before we went into lockdown. Wow. Uh, they, removed, they removed 10% of my brain. Um, I'm on the mend in terms of the epilepsy, but there is no cure for epilepsy. It's never going away. What is not going away is my student loan debt. So when I go to try and buy a house, they factor in 1% of that total amount as a monthly payment that I'm not making because I'm on an income driven repayment plan. And I have tried to file for the uh, total disability discharge and was denied. Why? Apparently. Well, because they said that my, my uh, epilepsy wasn't severe enough. However, when I went through the disability process, it was a retired gynecologist making the decision as to whether or not I would be. So you're not on SSI. You're not on social security. I am now. Finally, it took three permanent years. disability. No, well, it's not permanent. I I have to re re qualify every three to five years. I'm waiting on that next uh, okay. set of paperwork. Well, the retired gynecologist didn't do that. That didn't get you into SSI. Well, you had to have another. Med- have there had to be another medical die. professional professional on that part of the story, right? Well, I have a neuro- I have a neurologist, yeah. uh, a okay. epileptologist. And, uh, and they gave the you the paperwork for the for the Social Security Administration right. to approve the SSI disability. That's correct. Okay, and your 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 uh, denial on the student loan <clears throat> idiots was before you got this SSI approved. No, no, no. They said my condition was not severe enough. Okay, was, I'm uh, not. I'm listen. The answer fault. to the equation is I'm not stopping on that, dude. You're disabled. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The answer is I'm, I'm going to go congressman, senator. Uh, uh, I'm going to hire an attorney. Uh, you got $300,000 wrapped around your neck that's not going away that should be forgiven. Is that you, how much debt it is, Jason? Yeah. That's how much he I have in it. my name, my wife. My wife. So I have 297000 yeah. in student loan debt yeah. starting in 2001. Um, my wife also has an additional two. Um, she has her doctorate. That's correct. What does she do for a living? Combined, she's now a college professor. Making what? Um, she's a tenure track professor making $51,000. She just got this job this year. We just moved a month ago. It's a really good job for her. Now, I was hoping to have the same kind of position, but without my exit degree. Help me with this, because I'm sorry. I'm struggling with 51000 and we call that a good job. So tell well, me how this works. I, I, you, she's on a tenure track. Does that mean she's going to be making 120 in three or four years? We don't know the final number, but once she's get, uh, granted tenure in seven years, the income does go up drastically. Yeah. And it should go up incrementally between now and then also. I'm hopeful that that will 51, be 51,000 with PhD teaching at the university level sounds low, period, whether there's tenure or not. I agree. Okay. I agree. It's uh, it's a tough world out there. Uh, no, it's not that. I mean, I'm telling you, it's not. That's not right. That's too low. Other okay. PhDs right. teaching at the college level make a lot more than that. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know okay. whether okay. this is the particular university she got on with, uh, or maybe it's the degree of field. I don't know. Uh, but um, so the answer to her 200k is you know? for you guys to get your income up and get rid of it. The answer to your 300k is good god is uh, half a million dollars it is uh for you to 
go after these guys on the disability issue because i mean you've if one the, the trick with the disability with them is to get if the social security administration has declared you're disabled and puts you on ssi that should be the ticket and I they should just straight too. up forgive it now is there the, a difference with it not being permanent the fact that he has to reapply every three to five years you, you, Does do that, that, you, you have to you have to relook it all the time anyway they you know if, if you become undisabled you're not you know you you, you lose that but yeah that I, I'm telling you, man, yeah. I, I am spending some energy and some time with uh, senators, congressmen, staff, uh, and an attorney, and I'm going to get this gone if I'm in your shoes. I think I think that should be forgiven. That's what it's for. I mean, upon death or disability, federally insured student loans. But disability isn't, I feel bad. Disability is the Social Security Administration has declared you disabled. And that's that's yeah, the de- yeah. that's the definition for purposes of student loan forgiveness, and that's a standard program. That is not a Joe Biden helped you out. That's that's been from day one. That program has been there. Yeah. Wow, Jason, I'm so sorry I'm you guys sorry. are facing this. What a horrible process y'all have been through, and these student loans have just made it worse. So, um, man, that's awful. I, um, and at risk of sounding like I'm piling on him because I'm not. Um, but that, that should, that kind of a phone call for this show should be a warning to some of you that you don't go $200,000 in debt to get your PhD to make 50 grand. Okay. Those numbers don't work and you don't go $300,000 in debt to live your dream in the, uh, opera world because you could end up with a medical condition and end up in a mess. Well, and it probably isn't even that lucrative of a. Well, I mean, it is if it is. Career it's it's uh you know, but it's it's like anything else in the music business. It's there's a percentage that make all the money and a percentage that wish they did, and um so. But either way, the you cannot bet five hundred thousand dollars on these tracks. That's not. This is what gets you in trouble, and because then life happens and you end up here. And I'm gosh, Jason, I'm so sorry you're yeah. there. I'm not picking on you. But the rest of you should take a warning from this. And if you got a kid wanting to go on this track, tell them no. No, we're not doing this. No. This is The Ramsey Show. Listen, everyone needs ID theft protection. It doesn't matter your age, how much money you have, or where you live. We all worked too hard to build our personal and financial reputations to have some thief rip them to shreds. Trust me, it's an absolute nightmare if you become a victim. But wasting money on overhyped, expensive plans doesn't make sense either. That's where Xander's ID theft plan comes in. They've bundled together the services you need at pricing that can't be beat. Whether you're looking for monitoring that includes your home title, VPN encryption, unlimited recovery services, or stolen funds protection, you'll get that and more at great value while dealing with people you can trust. I've seen these guys in action, which is why I have Xander's plan for my family and our entire team. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282 to get protected. Save money and stay ahead of the identity theft nightmare. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey Personalities, my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Brian is in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm well, Dave. Thanks so much for having me uh, on. Um, so I'll get right to the point. Um, it's a bit of a first world ish uh, problem, but 
I'm at your step, step seven point, and I guess my my biggest concern is balancing obviously how much I really should spend now based on the amount we have, based on or the, comparing it towards how much do we need to save? Because I mean we're at a point where our total retirement plus non-retirement assets are over a million. Mm-hmm. We're incredibly fortunate, and in some cases unfortunate because of why we got to that point, but. Uh, at the same point, we're really trying to balance out exactly. Yeah, it's easy to say let's just live off the returns, and, and with the two of us combined, make about one sixty-five, one seventy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to you? say that, but at the same, I'm forty-two. Okay, all right, good, good for you guys. Well done, millionaire, huh? And so I take it you inherited some of it the way you said the way we got it. I guess you, some, you lost someone. Yeah, uh, there's. Um, we, we, we lost some family at a very young age, uh, relatively to where they should have been. I'm sorry. That way. I'm sorry. Thank you. Well. Um, but uh, I mean, some of the work was obviously on our own as well. We didn't yeah. start and just go from yeah. zero to, to, ha- to a million without doing any work ourselves. Sure. We're definitely proud that we were at least a chunk of the way there on our own. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, Rachel can speak to this. She does a lot of work on contentment. Um, the two things that Sharon and I do is um, one, we had to learn to look at ratios because your emotions can't keep up with your wealth building. I mean, you'll look up in a few years, you have $5 million, you don't feel like you have $5 million. You feel like when you had 50000 Your emotions don't keep up, okay? And so to, to circumvent that, we had to say, all right, we can afford a $10,000 cruise. How do we know we can afford that? And we use the burn it in the middle of the floor test. If I took that much money and I made a little fire in the middle of the floor and I burned $10,000, would my life change? No. Yours wouldn't either, by the way. Okay? So so I can go on that, or Sharon can go on that cruise and I get to go with her. So, um... Uh, so, you know, we can make that decision then because basically we're burning that money, right? It's gone. Poof. We enjoyed it. We experienced it. It's a good thing. I mean, it's why we work. You work, live like no one else so that you can live like no one else. So that's ratio. I look at ratios. And so if we're going to buy a car for 50000 or 60000 or whatever, 100000 whatever it is, if I drive the car off a cliff with no insurance, does my life change? No then I can afford the car. It's a non-issue mathematically. Does that make sense? And so that helps me to spend money that my emotions don't feel like I should do. Like, because your emotions say things to you like you used to say to other people, like, no one needs a car that nice. Nobody ought to drive something like that. This is what people say, right? And that's where I came from, is that neighborhood, right? You know, who needs it? You know, but I had a guy making 15 million bucks. It's a friend of mine pull up and a dad blame whatever uh, Ferrari or whatever the flip it was, 400,000 bucks. Okay. But he made 15 million last year. So him getting a $400,000 car is like, okay, if you made 150,000, you bought a $4,000 car. It's the same ratio. It's a non-issue. But it's just hard to get your head around a four hundred thousand dollar car. I can't, I can't grasp it. But it helps me grasp it if I look at ratios. That's what I'm always doing. What's the ratio on this? And can I burn it in the middle of the floor? The second thing that has helped me is uh, 
we uh, make sure at all times we are doing three things. And Rachel and I taught parents to do this with their kids. At all times, you should always be increasing your generosity as your income goes up. You should be increasing your investments as your income goes up. And you should be increasing your enjoyment, your lifestyle spending, as your income goes up. And we at Sharon and I use a percentage on that. Every time I get a big check from the publisher for a total money makeover, I get big old checks on that because that thing still sells like crazy. And when I get that big old check in, I've got an automatic percentage, 40% for taxes, 10% per tithe. So there's 50% gone. Okay. Then I've got another 50%. How am I going to allocate that? I'm going to allocate it among those three things, a percentage that we have set in our formula. You make up your formula. We made up ours, but a percentage of that 50 towards lifestyle, a percentage towards investing, and a percentage towards increased generosity beyond the tithe. And so we're always giving more, we're always enjoying more, and we're always investing more. And that keeps me in balance too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's well said. And, and I think too, Brian, what's helped, I would say my husband and I over time is I'm like, we've learned to live so significantly below our means just because it's almost like this litmus test of like, we're fine. We don't, we don't need to continue just to consume and consume and consume, mm-hmm. even, even if the money's there. So we do though, look at percent, what he's saying about percentages and we've upped, we up our percentage, a few percentage points. It's not a ton, honestly. Um, you know, maybe per year, every two years as we're doing our budget month to month. And we look to say, okay, because we want to be able to enjoy it. Because I hear what you're saying. You're like, if we're working hard and we have the ability to enjoy some of it, we want to. And so for me, I find more enjoyment personally in more of the day-to-day stuff. When I can like up the grocery budget a little bit and go to Costco and buy a few more things or go buy more clothes or like whatever it is, like these like very small percentages in our budget month to month that's where I seem to enjoy, you know, that baby step seven life. But it's a but it's a very small percentage because over time, too, you're going to learn like stuff is just stuff. And there's not like, you know, spending an outrageous amount of money. Not that it's right or wrong, but there's a point that it's like it doesn't get you what you think it will over no, time. Enough lobster. It tastes like so. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. like there's that. But then the big purchases is another thing, Brian, I would say is for you and your wife to still have a goal. Always yep. be saving for something. Yep. And Winston and I, it was our house. We moved in in 19, November of 2019. And we went probably like, I'd say probably six, seven months without anything that we were working towards after that because we were so tired. It had been years and years and years of that goal. And honestly, it was funny because we got to this point like six months after we moved in. And I was like, I feel sloppy with our money a little bit like because yep. we're not working towards yep. something. And yep. so now it was a pool and we're just now starting that conversation. Four, you know, four years, three and a half years in the making, but always have a thing that you're kind of looking towards because it just keeps you with those guardrails, um, especially on baby step seven. That's what that's what I found. So upping your percentage of lifestyle month, you know, throughout the month and your monthly budget per year a little bit, I think is great to enjoy some of it. You have to build the emotional muscles. Yes. By yes. intentionally doing all three things with some kind of a system. Uh, and, and because the people that we see that get in trouble are someone that does only one of those and abandons the other two. They're yeah. so generous. They give everything away and they kill the goose that's laying the golden egg or they put, they put everything in investing and they have no life and their wife leaves, <laughs> you know, or, yeah, cause they're uh, cheap. you know, cause they're cheapskate, yeah. you know, or we spend it all and we put nothing in investing and nothing for generosity. Well, that's yeah. most people. And that, that, you know, that, that's, 
not one you have to train people to do usually, but it is normal when you have been very disciplined to have trouble letting go of money for enjoyment. That is a normal human mm-hmm. reaction, and it has helped me that I'm increasing my generosity. That kind of gives me emotional permission to enjoy some of it on the other hand, and it's helped me to do the burn it in the middle of the floor amount. It's yeah. a small And do ratio. your budget still, Brian. I went and I every month, we and we still track our transactions every dollar. Like, keep a pulse on it because that also allows you to see, okay, we have X amount and out to eat. We're going to go on a really nice date night, right? If we have some money there. So that budget also gives you that permission to say, we're okay. We're not going crazy. You know, nothing's out of control here. This is what we've allotted. So I would still encourage the budget even on Baby Step 7 because day-to-day decisions... It allows you to give yourself permission to spend. And it works, Brian. I've even gotten Rachel's mother to where she can actually spend money now. And she's the world's biggest tightwad. This is the Ramsey Show. Guys, it's no secret that the real estate market is weird right now. So go with a mortgage company you can trust to have your back. Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is Ramsey trusted because they're stable, reliable, and focused on you. At a time when a lot of companies are being bought out or going out of business, count on Churchill Mortgage to stick around. They've been doing things the right way for over 30 years, and they'll keep doing them the right way for 30 more. Get started at churchillmortgage.com. This is a paid advertisement. NMLS ID 1591. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Equal housing lender. 1749 Mallory Lane, Suite 100. Brentwood, Tennessee 37027. Thanks for hanging out with us, America. We're glad you're here. I'm Dave Ramsey. Rachel Cruz is my co-host today. Courtney's in Boston. Hi, Courtney. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, how are you guys? Better than we deserve. What's up? So I just wanted to get your opinion on something. I am currently living in my grandmother's home, and I may potentially soon have the opportunity to purchase it. Um, But at the moment, I have... I've been working on the baby steps. I'm fairly new. I've paid off credit card. I've paid off my car and I have my student loan debt. It's about just under Mm 33,000. And I do have savings that I've been working on for a down payment on a house in general before I knew it was a possibility I could purchase the the home I'm living in now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has about 56,000 in there. Mm -hmm. I was going to just, pay off my student loans, Good, um, but people very close to me uh, and people I trust, it, they've been telling me it's not a good idea. I'm sure the I people you trust are sweet, payment. but they're broke and it is a good idea. You should pay it off now, immediately, so even if, like, today. You know, say next week the opportunity comes for me to purchase the house I'm in. Uh, you shouldn't buy a home while you have student loan debt. Okay. And the home, Courtney, okay. is it your is it your grandmother's home that you're talking about purchasing? Yeah. So, so there's no is is there a major timeline rush in that? Yeah, it's a it's a confusing situation. I suppose no, um, but she may need nursing home care soon, and she actually transferred the home about three years ago to my father and his sister, my aunt. And so, if she needs a nursing home in the next couple of years, the home would still begin the, um, the Medicaid five-year look-back period. So they yep. would have to transfer it back to her. It would have to be sold for fair market value. Those things. So I can't buy the house yet unless uh, her condition keeps worsening and she needs to go to the go to a nursing facility. Which why is she going to Medicaid nursing? Why is she going on welfare? 
I I'm not that I'm not sure. Is she broke? She has. She does not. Other than her home, if she were to transfer back and um, I were to buy from her, uh, she doesn't have much assets or income, is my understanding. Okay. Um. You're you're not gonna like this, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Okay. Sure. You're you're buying this home at fair market value. And it's not a home you would have bought. You're only doing it because of the situation, and it got thrust right in front of you. If you were just walking around living in a one-bedroom apartment, you would have not bought this house. And if you're paying fair market value, there's zero reason for you to buy it. It's a it's a nice house, but Darling, I... Darling, what I just said is true, isn't it? I... I, I no, I don't. I disagree because it is in the area I'm looking to purchase in. It has two bedrooms, and it's what I'm looking for. So I think that I okay. would purchase it. Okay. And what will be the value? It's a, it's valued at about four hundred fifty thousand. And what do you make? I make about a hundred and twenty thousand a year. Okay. Well. So I, the the thing that we teach folks is the shortest right way to wealth, and that would be have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses and be debt-free, plus your down payment before you purchase a home. And then if you're purchasing a home that way, you would take out no more than a 15-year fixed-rate loan where the payment is no more than a fourth of your take-home pay. I'm not positive that formula fits in your situation. It might, but that's a lot of house. You're single and how yeah. old? I'm 28. Okay. I, I mean, you, you yeah, certainly would, can do all of this, but I would never do it unless it met those guidelines that I was talking about. And you do not have a down payment plus an emergency fund plus being debt-free. Yeah, because you'll have 23000 left, Courtney, after you pay off your student loans. So I would kind of figure out, okay, what would an emergency fund be for you? And, yeah, I mean, I, I would say since – if you have a stable job, you're single, no kids, you know, you're in that situation, I would lean more on the three month side and save up three months of an emergency fund. You got fifty five th- now minus thirty is twenty five. So you probably got your emergency fund. Yeah. But you don't have an emergency fund debt free and, and a down payment. And the down payment. So if it's the house you want, Courtney, I mean it, You're it, not gonna buy it. Well, not today, but I'm saying if she's if she, if her health doesn't decline and she doesn't have to move, if you got two seat, years to save up a down payment, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But right now, we wouldn't encourage you, regardless of the situation, a family or not. Yeah, you're not in a position really to to buy that. So, and, the, and there are some guidelines on the Medicaid look back on the five year look back, I, and the fair market value. There's a, also a certain number of dollars that um, she is allowed to keep out of her principal residence. It used to be 78000 I don't know what it is now. But so you guys need to get some um, – it sounds like you've gotten some information. You, I mean, you, you might have gotten it from the law firm of Google and Google, but you might want to talk to an actual elder law attorney and actually find out what you can do because my guess is fair market value – I'd want to know what the definition of that is in this situation. Because is it because that they, she transferred the house? Right. You, you can't move assets out of your name in order to look like you're broke to qualify for welfare. Medicaid is welfare. And if you go to a Medicaid nursing home, it's for broke people that have no money. And you can't be sitting on a $400,000 house and act like you're poor. 
Okay, so that that's the principle on the so law. In a, in and a, if you transfer it to your kid, which is what Granny did, she moved it to her son yeah. and daughter. In order to hide it, they have a five year look back, and if they prove you did it with intent to hide it, it's called fraud. So it's a big problem. I know, because in an ideal world, what you she if 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 you do if you are in the situation, and you have a parent that is needs help then, then you sell the house and take care of them. take the four hundred fifty thousand dollars and go in a great nursing home because in with rare exceptions there's a difference in a medicaid nursing home and a regular nursing home right there, there's a difference in government provided housing i'm just saying housing. for people listening out there if they find themselves in that situation the 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 right best thing to do for the parents is take care of them is to sell the house and take care of them and and use that money to, to go t- into to nursing. put them into a nursing yeah. home. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a not about Medicaid look back and how we can hide our granny's assets so that we can put her on welfare. And we're not saying Courtney that that's what you guys did. No, but that's that why the Medicaid look back is there. That's, that's why the five year right. look back right. is to keep people from fraudulently hiding assets, and uh, and they can if they find it they can undo it. And what she's saying is her family's going to bring it forward. They're not trying to hide it, right, so they're not right. doing it fraudulently. They're going to say, okay, it's within the look back period, so we have to honor the guidelines of the program, and that's the proper thing to do. And then you have to use that money before Medicaid kicks in. That's the way it works. So this is why you get long term care insurance uh, and why you build wealth. So, but uh, Courtney, I. I always resist situations where the timing of the whole thing from a family perspective is good for everyone but you. And this has got you right on the bubble. And so if it works out to where uh, your grandmother's a couple more years and you've got time to pay off your student loan, have an emergency fund, and have a down payment, and the payment on a 15-year fixed is no more than a fourth of your take-home pay, and you like this house – then go ahead. But um, I, I, and I won't argue with you. I'll take your word on the fact that I was wrong about you being forced into this thing. But um, it's, it's, if it was a $600,000 house, you'd be out. It's not an option for you. Even if you liked it. I mean, you can, you could qualify for it on a 30 year, but I would tell you, don't do it. You can't afford it. So that that's where this is. I mean, you there, everything in this story is on the edge. It's all on the bubble, 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 and usually bubble, bubble. we find Courtney too, just in general, when you're making big purchases like a house, I mean, it's usually the largest purchase that you're going to make in your lifetime is when things feel rushed or there's not a lot of options. Sometimes you can make a bad decision. One of the most peaceful ways to go about, you know, a big purchase like a home is that there's lots of options. You have the right to be yeah. out if you don't want it. It just gives you a lot of freedom and a lot of power, Courtney. And I think what, da- what you're saying, Dave, is... When you start to get pushed in this corner of like, this is the only thing that I can do, sometimes you don't always make the best decision. Yeah. So just give yourself the permission to be released from it. Do the numbers, figure out this, figure it out. And if it works for you then, that's great. But just don't be forced into something. Don't buy this house with a student loan still on the books. Pay that loan off today, and then this works or it doesn't. This is The Ramsey Show. Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, co-host of the Smart Money Happy Hour, and my daughter is my co-host today. 
Open phones at 888-825-5225. Dylan is with us in Miami. Hi, Dylan. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I am 22 years old, and I just graduated undergrad and got married the next day. My wife and I don't have any debt, but um, two weeks after our wedding, my mother passed away. Oh, no. um, Gosh, I'm sorry, Dylan. Yeah. Was that unexpected? So, uh, yes and no. Mm. Uh, Yes, and the fact that she declined so quickly. Um, She died at 61, so she left us um, her IRA, which has about 300,000 in it. And then the main reason I'm calling is because um, the house that she left has $60,000 left on it. And I'm just wondering, should I, what I'm planning to do is rent it out and have my renters pay the mortgage. But I also have the life insurance, which is, I got about 90,000 left on that, just kind of sitting in my bank account. Should I just go ahead and pay the mortgage off completely and then have uh, that passive income or, or what would you guys do? Wow. I'm so sorry. That's completely tough two weeks after you're married to make all these decisions. I wish we Thanks. could, I wish we could slow down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the thoughts that pop into my head. Okay. Number one, uh, renting a property as a landlord is not passive income. That's humorous. Uh, that's crap from TikTok. Okay. Uh, because there's nothing passive about dealing with renters. I've got a bunch of them. Uh, I have been, well, I am planning I, to hire a, a property. Doesn't matter. Property. It's not passive. This is very yeah, active. Okay. You you have a hassle mm-hmm. factor in your life called renter. Okay. It's just part and of And they'll it. be renting your mom's home. And too. they're going to be in the just... home you probably grew up in, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird emotionally. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's the number one thing. So, so um, can this be done? Yes, it can be done. Uh, you're 22. You're brand new married. In my opinion, the last thing you need is the hassle of a rental property. Um, but if you're going to keep this and give that a try, uh, you should pay it off. Mm. Okay. Okay. And because uh, that will lower the hassle, you won't have a payment anyway. And so take mm-hmm. the take the insurance money out of the checking account, and pay the mortgage off. I normally wouldn't like to make that decision on that property that quickly, but. I will tell you, like the current, the rate, the home Rachel grew up in is now in my rental portfolio. We kept it. It is mm-hmm. weird. I haven't lived in that house in 20 years. It is weird to go over to that house with other people's crap in it still emotionally. And I'm, mm-hmm. I landlord a bunch of property and I grew up in the real estate business. So I've got a huge advantage over you and I'm old. I've done this a lot, okay? You're 22. This is your first property. I'm warning you that the first time that they screw around with the house you grew up in, they being the tenant, uh, it's going to be emotional for you. Just be ready for that, okay? No Mm -hmm. one, it's never going to be the same. It's never going to smell the same in there, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so all of that. Now, so if you want to get a professional property manager that's great uh, are you local dylan where the house is yeah. are you guys close i'm not i'm about i'm in miami the house is in uh, central florida that's not okay. too bad 
I, I, I don't like long distance landlording either. So I, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that it, it, uh, with all the emotions, if we had a little bit of time to digest all of this, I might just sell it, but that's even a harsher thing than letting a renter be in it. So I, it's not an automatic thing that at 22 years old, two weeks after you're married, you ought to be a landlord. That's not mm-hmm. an automatic thing. Okay. So it's an automatic thing you probably shouldn't do actually. Uh, just in terms of quality of life for you but it's thrown in your lap and here we are Mm -hmm. so if you want to try it just be forewarned that this is not it's not passive uh you're going to have some emotions around other people and smells being in your house no pets i love pets one of my favorite things on the planet is my little dog but no pets not in my rental Mm -hmm. properties okay we Mm -hmm. call them ten thousand dollar cats they devalue your house ten thousand dollars when they put the cat in there okay yeah. And so, sorry, that's the way that works. So th- I'm Dylan, telling you, this is an experienced yeah, landlord Dylan, talking for to you, you. Dylan, for you and your wife, where are you guys at financially? I know you said you have no debt. Um, you obviously have this $300,000 IRA from your mom. Uh, are you, do you and your wife, do y'all rent? Do you own a home? Where are you guys at? Yeah, we're renting. We're, we're just kind of getting started financially. Our combined income is probably around 70 or 80. Okay. I would sell this house and buy you a house. I know. How much is the how much would the house how much is the house worth? Do you know? Right now it's probably worth two fifty, maybe three hundred tops. I would sell this house and buy you a house. And when I say that out loud, two weeks after you got married, your mom dies, that's very harsh for me to say that. Yeah. It's hard for you to even yeah. hear that and think about that. But five years from today, you having this as a rental property versus you and your new wife having a new home to live in. That that's a much better, wiser decision. And yeah. um, I, you know, I I know I'm asking a lot for you to process of a lot of mm-hmm. emotions. And you don't right? have to make this decision today, Dylan. I you mean, don't have in to, fact, and you we, don't have to do it because I said do it. But yeah, it, you know, it, give yourself some time and kind of just you know, and yeah. maybe you try the renting thing for a year, and I would still pay it off. And maybe you look up in a year, and you and your wife are like, man, we want to get settled somewhere. You have a great asset that your mom left you, which is such a gift, and you can use that gift to continue her legacy. I mean, that what a beautiful thing that she, you know, has for you guys. So um, maybe it's not right now, but maybe you look up in six months and think, okay, we can make we can make this decision. But for yeah. you and your family now going forward, you and your wife, um, you can really use this to jumpstart you guys. If this house had no emotion tied to it, if it was a, if she had yeah. it as a rental property. Right. You would have sold it already in your mind. You would you wouldn't I'm gonna buy me and my bride a new house. You wouldn't be going, I'm gonna rent and yeah, keep but, this as a rental. And, and, and let me say this, this may not be Dylan's case real quick, but the idea of having real estate It's a big deal. It's a big deal. People want a rental property. I mean the but idea you don't, you of don't having wanna, a rental property. You don't want to have a rental property two hours away and be renting yourself. Yeah. No, I agree, but I'm just saying I know Dylan I mean, I if I can get into a twenty two year old's head, what the the kind of content that's out there and what people are oh, yeah. saying about about yeah. for sure tick-tack, personal finance tick-tack will tell you you got to have a rental house yeah but it's a very appealing thing right to have this quote-unquote active yeah. income not passive but yeah so so there's a I, I i get where you're at dylan but i think what you have to realize is when you set you and your wife up really well then in 10 years you could get into you'll this if you all want the but, rentals you want yeah yeah and you'll be a millionaire yeah and you'll have a paid-for home for you and your new bride the, the impact on your marriage is positive. The impact on your health is positive. Um, the impact on your finances is positive. 
I just, man, I'm sorry. Sorry you're having to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. But that's what I would do if I woke up in your shoes, sir. This is The Ramsey Show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, it's Dr. John Deloney, and one of the most common questions I get is how to get something off your chest. A deep secret you've never told anyone, or maybe something that happened to you, something you've done that you're worried about because bringing it to light will disrupt your life, anything. I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's hard to know where to start when it comes to talking about scary, dark things. Therapy can be a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've personally been blessed to have a great therapist who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's flexible because it's online, so you can suit it to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Our question of the day comes from Neighborly, your hub for home services. Is your to-do list too long, whether it's a simple repair or a whole list of home improvements? Mr. Handyman's experienced professionals are here to help you make your home work for you. Visit neighborly.com slash Ramsey. And you can find Expert Home Services. This is a really good company, you guys. It includes locally operated Mr. Handyman near you. Today's question comes from Katie in Utah. For several months now, I keep hearing ads for title theft insurance. The ads and warnings keep getting louder. I truly feel that someone is not going to steal the title to your home, but there's lots of media people promoting it. Our title is in a trust and there is no mortgage on the house or property. Can you shed some light on the subject? Sure, sure. Title insurance. Completely bogus. Do not buy it. Absolute crap. Okay? How do you really feel? I just wouldn't <laughs> want to beat around the bush or anything. I want to make sure I'm clear. <laughs> so uh, so basically, title fraud insurance would say someone signed your name to sell your house and recorded that at the courthouse. Okay. That transaction would be undone in about 30 seconds with a lawyer going before a judge and said person that signed that would be in jail for criminal fraud. Grand theft auto. Hello. It's a, you know, they just stole a $200,000 asset or attempted to with How a, could they even do that? With a though? fraudulent transaction. Well, I mean, they if go you, and pull the title and just claim if you, that if, they, if you prepare a deed, yeah, and you can type one up, right? And you sign the owner's name to the deed, selling it. Okay. Yeah. And you have that notarized, and you took that to the courthouse and recorded it. That's how I. Tra- that's how I sale on property happens. Mm-hmm. If I'm selling a property, I sign the deed, and they record it at the courthouse, and the buyer's na- it transfers it into the buyer's name. That could be done fraudulently. The number of times that happens is very close to zero. It never happens. Because it's so absurd, okay? Because the person that did it would instantaneously be caught. Hello, and go to jail. I mean, it's, there's nowhere they crook can hide. It's not like internet fraud where they can hide in Russia or something, right? They have to actually, you know, they, they, whoever, wherever that money went, 
You know, I mean, and the buyer would the, of the property would have been defrauded as well, and they're going to get nothing. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't get title insurance on it. You couldn't get, you know, there's no way you could get anything. So title th- theft. Now, I do have, you know, I do recommend identity theft protection in general because there's a lot of kinds of identity theft out there. And that's why we've had Xander Insurance doing that for years. We've recommended ID theft from Xander. I've got it on me. I've got it on all the kids, the grandkids. Everybody's got it. All the employees here have it furnished as a benefit. Uh, I, Xander's identity theft. But it's not title theft. And so um, washed up actors will promote anything on a commercial if you pay them. Okay. So media figures, quote unquote, doesn't matter. And a matter. lot of financial products, a lot of gold, a lot of yep. whole life. I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, reverse mortgages. Reverse mortgages. I yeah. mean, you got the Fonz over there doing that, you know, and Henry Winkler, and you got uh, Magnum PI doing that. I mean, you know, but I mean, it's not like they know anything about reverse mortgages. They're actors, for God's sakes. Or they used to be actors before they retired. Hello. So, I mean, it's like, golly. So, no, I mean, these are not legitimate. That does not legitimize the product. No. Crap. Do not buy title theft insurance. Now, make a distinction. There is a title policy that you buy when you buy a home where you get title insurance, but it's not theft it's title insurance that the insurance that the title is clean. Always buy that. That's been a standard part of a real estate transaction for 50 years. Okay? And never buy a piece of property without title insurance, ensuring that the title is clean. It's mm-hmm. not that expensive. And I have had in all the I mean, I've owned what two, almost three thousand pieces of real estate in my life, and I've had a handful of instances where the title wasn't clean, and the title insurance company that guaranteed the title to be clean had to come back in and pay the other one off. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, I, bought a, I bought a little house. I was flipping in the uh, uh, million years ago, and uh, uh, these two sisters sold it to me out of an estate, and they forgot they had a brother. <laughs> so, uh, n- and he was, not really. They took the yeah, money, and right, they didn't right. pay. They didn't, so we didn't have the brother's signature, and, oh, it, yeah. and they were the three heirs to the estate, yep, yep. and the title company that did the title search missed that, and did not search, you know, and so the two sisters sign up, and then they had the brother shows up wanting his one third of my house. Sure. And uh, so the title okay. insurance company, you know, they had to pay old brother brother off. Speaking of like trends that we're seeing, so this title theft insurance she's seeing on social media, you're seeing all these like financial products. Here's one on social media, and I, I probably I I'm going to just ask you on the air because I think I can't wrap my head around. I'm try. I went down the rabbit hole one time, and I'm like I can't quite figure you? it out. Here's you the, went down here's, a here's a here's a trend that's out there, and I'm seeing it maybe because the algorithm just keeps feeding to me. A lot of financial people talking about using life insurance while you're alive. Viaticals. Talk about that. Yeah. Explain that because okay. I get people sending me these these reels, and they're yeah. like, "We all please talk about this because it's a trend right now." A lot of people that are yeah. like, "This is what rich people do. This is what they're claiming in the videos." Well, there's. Two different things. The, the rich people thing is the well. They always inf- just throw that, that in that's the, the infinite banking. Yeah. Thing. Well, they just roll. They just put those always in the videos. To okay. Get but that's to, that's the infinite banking thing. And then they're always selling their products. That's just crap. Know, that's just that's bad whole life. But the viatical <laughs> is uh, a person. Okay, I, I've got a million dollar life insurance policy on me, and I've been diagnosed with terminal cancer. 
No, this isn't what they're talking about. There's oh. no sickness involved. Oh, this is the just the infinite banking. Garbage. Okay, so keep going. Yeah, do that one. Okay, yeah, infinite yeah. No, banking. No, no, there's no sickness. Infinite banking is a another word for whole life life insurance. That's all it oh, is. Oh, it's whole life? Yeah, that's all it is. It's just whole life. Oh. You put a bunch of money in it, and then you borrow your own money out. Yeah. Infinitely. Yeah. Which you've always been able to borrow your own money. That's not new. It's your money. <laughs> You don't have to borrow it. But you're doing it through a life insurance policy. You're buying, yeah, you're, you put a chunk of money, way too much, into you overfund okay, the whole so, life okay, policy. Okay, so what? So you put $50,000, like... Up front in a whole life policy. You okay. prepay it. Yeah. And it's, so it creates instantaneous cash value. So it's in there. Yes. Yeah. And so I got a cash value. Now, if I want my cash value out of my whole life, there's only two ways to get it. My money that's in there, right? Right, right. There's only two ways to get it. Cancel the policy, take my money back out. Sure. They're going to kill you with fees. Yeah. Or I can borrow my own money and pay them interest. To borrow my own money. Mm -hmm. And you can do that infinitely. Mm -hmm. So it's called infinite banking. It's infinitely stupid. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked. Yeah, we had a guy call in the other day. We had a guy call in to defend it the other day, and he and I got to argue on the air. It was kind of fun. Yeah. So. Well, that's a that's a big thing, because they're like, you can go and like yeah, live, a, you can live this great thing. life. That's a TikTok And you don't thing. have to like. That's absolute bull crap. Yeah. Okay. The only way you have a million dollars in a life insurance policy is if you put a million and a half in there. That's the only way it's in there. I mean, and it makes one and a half to two percent. And when you die, you lose your money. It's whole life life insurance. It's the worst financial product in the middle class. It's the payday lender of the middle class. It sucks beyond belief. Because yeah. here's it's classic. Okay, so here's here's like here's like kindergarten Rachel finance. So instead, take your million dollars and put it in an account. <laughs> In a invest it and live off the interest where you're not Ooh, that was paying deep. interest infinitely. Okay. You can do it infinitely. I know, but I'm just <laughs> telling you. You watch these videos, and I'm like, what? I, what is? Yeah, this going guy on? called down there. He's like, banks do this, and I'm like, banks do not do this. They do not do. Banks do not buy whole life life insurance. That's a dumb butt statement that you could only make up on Tic Tac. I mean, that's absolutely ludicrous. Banks buy bonds. That's where they place their liquidity is in bonds. And that's it's that's why your cost of money goes with the bond market. Oh my god. This these people just make crap up. But I, you know, it's like nothing down real estate. It, you know, I've seen it about 3 times in 30 years it comes around and everybody wants to do it and whole life life insurance comes back around cuz somebody that's young and dumb decided it was cool and decides to promote it and they can make a lot of money well, selling it. Well, they sell their product they at make the end. A they sell their product money at the end always. Yeah, the commissions on it are ungodly. <laughs> Rachel Cruz, Ramsey Personalities, my co-host today. Emma is in Pittsburgh. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Okay, so my husband and I used to own a bunch of rental properties, um, and we ended up going bankrupt because we listened. We had your book and somebody else's book, and the other person's book said it was okay to have debt whenever you're renting. Um, we ended up being over $100,000 worth of credit card debt, you know, just because you things were breaking in all of the houses. Yeah, and you, and had, no, and you had no margin because you put nothing down. Yeah. Right. And we have a family of six, so there was a lot of mouths to feed. And I had some health issues, and I was homeschooling those four kids. So okay. there was only one income. And y'all lost all um, that. We, we did lose all of it, yes. Mm. Um, they, when was that, Emma? That was 
2017. Yeah, me too. This is 1988. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got out of that, got to the point where we could buy another house. And right. now, as I speak, we've got $16,500 worth of credit card debt, which I'm trying to pay that down. I've got a spreadsheet where we're down $3,538 in the last six months. Okay. Um, but still, the total debt is with a $5,000 balance on a car is... $223,480. That counts your house. That, that yes. That well, is how much of that's your house? I mean, that's all your house, except for you got the little credit card debt and the, you got $20,000 plus your house, right? Yeah. That's, okay. yeah, that's about it. Yeah. And, and what's your household income? It's right now sitting at 95. Okay. And so what's your question? Um, so my question is, I'm finding my emotional relationship with money is bad. You know, the, Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I hate money, and <laughs> I get it rid of You are it avoiding evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spiritual stance on Emma's part. <laughs> Honestly, my I have I have some family issues where my one family member has a lot of money, and he is not a really nice person. He uses it to manipulate people, and yeah. So okay. I don't want to be like him. Well, money didn't money didn't make him that way. Money exposed the fact that he is that way. All money does is all money does is magnify. Okay. If you're a jerk and you get money, you're big jerk. If you're crazy and you get money, big lots of crazy. <laughs> okay. If you're if you're kind and compassionate and generous and you get money, you're what we call a ph- a philanthropist. Like you change whole worlds because you give so much. So, you know, it's not money. It's just you just got a mm-hmm. jerk in the family. Well, welcome to being in a family. <laughs> okay. So you, but you've had, so you have a negative relationship with money is what you're trying to say. Yeah, overall. And I'm not making fun of that. I'm just laughing with you because you're funny. I like you. <laughs> okay. So. And, and so it's caused a lot of pain, Emma, is what you're saying. Money yeah. is, is a place and you don't feel like you have a good handle on it because you guys no. have this credit card debt and you just think, oh my gosh, I just feel like I, I have no control over this part of my life. It doesn't feel, yes. it doesn't I've feel safe. I've proved that by going bankrupt once. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, 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 mean, I did too. And yeah. so, yeah, you, then you got to decide, am I going to happen to this money subject or is it going to happen to me? Mm. And, and what's what's been going on is it's been happening to you yeah and i think understanding emma it's not just the money part i mean i think the money exposes some things but i think i wrote a book called know yourself know your money and i'll give you a copy of that yeah that book is perfect for this but it's to understand why do i handle money the way i do and i think for you emma i think it's some good kind of questions to ask yourself everything from how you were raised uh what kind of you know tension was money in the household what kind of value did your parents place on it and kind of Walking through that, understanding your tendencies, you know, are you more of a spender or a saver? Are you more scarcity mindset or abundance? Um, what what What's your biggest fear? A lot of people are driven by fear. They don't want to end up, you know, how they grew up. You know, a lot of people have that fear. So they'll, they'll, go, they'll swing the pendulum so far where they save so much because they don't want to, you know, be poor like they were growing up and they saw the hardship or whatever it is. Right. So everyone has their own their own stuff. So that plus Emma being married, you have an, you have a spouse that has the all different factors of everything we just listed. And so working together and all of that can create 
Yeah, just a lot of a lot of tension, a lot that, of stuff. That combined with the f- failure on the other part, yep. and with a house full of kids, a homeschool, all of those things combined to uh, take away your confidence and your power, yep. your emotional power over money. Does that sound Does that sound right? Yeah, that okay. sounds yeah. perfect. Are you guys, Emma? Um, you and your husband? Do you guys do a monthly budget? We look at money. We look at the debt together yeah. and we're trying okay. to get that number down. I'm going to pile you on um, with some stuff. I'm going to give you every dollar of premium. Okay. As well okay. in this call, because I think one of the things that can feel so out of control and people do this a lot. Emma, so I'm not picking on you, but they're like, oh yeah, I just have kind of all the expenses in my head. And it's just, it's like, it's this imaginary thing that can suddenly become very isolating. It can be very scary when you don't see the facts. And Dr. John Deloney talks about this all the time, that facts are your friends. And I think a budget, honestly, working in that and seeing, okay, here's our income that's coming in. Because you guys make a great income. I mean, 95 grand, you're doing great. But to be able to say, here's the plan for that. And then for you over the course of time, and I bet you, if you guys start that this month, I bet by January, February, there's going to be a level of confidence over this, Emma, because because you're going to learn how to live within boundaries and yeah. make different decisions. And you're going to be at the grocery store and be like, okay, we got 200 bucks this week. And to spend. I can spend that and I don't have to worry. Yeah. And what, what do I have to what do I have to spend to stay within that? And it's this practice of discipline and being in control of what the that's what the budget does and i think that really will give you guys a so, sense of a sense of confidence too i think the $3500 in debt that you paid off is absolutely amazing cuz you've been beating it with a hammer not slicing it with a sharp knife and rachel just gave you a sharp knife it's going to go a lot easier you just beat the heck out of it, I mean, man. So, yeah, and you so, just beat the snot out of it this this 3500 was heavy lifting you gutted that out girl because you didn't have it, you didn't have a sharp knife. You're just wailing on it with a club. You, you guys should also know that most of my children are six foot tall, and our food budget is sixteen hundred dollars a month. <laughs> so that, well, that's okay. That doesn't mean too. you can't. That doesn't mean you can't get control of money. Okay, that I I know there's places. I know there's other places I can cut spending. Well, I mean, yeah. I, so I think that's you, what it you is. You don't even know where your spending is because you don't have it all written out. Right. You get every stinking detail. Yeah. It, you will be amazed. You and your husband sit down and look at where every single dollar is going before the month begins and give every dollar an assignment. That's why we call the app Every Dollar. So Because you're giving every dollar a mission, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're both going to go, where the crap have we been doing? And Emma, and, and try this. You know, $1,600, that's before a budget. Try 1400 for yeah. the month, right? Like, you start practicing this, like, ebb and flow and see, okay, where can we get an extra hundred, few hundred dollars here or there? I mean, like, it, it, it's amazing the the power that that really does give you yeah. and to be able to cut stuff. But honestly, I think for you guys getting some quick wins, because I think it's hold, I think you said, Emma, Confidence. that it took six months to pay off 3500 that. So mm-hmm. I want you to do that even faster. Oh, you're going to do it a lot faster because you're going to have a sharp knife yep, instead of a club. You're going to have that. So I think that's right. going to start to give you guys confidence. Um, but I think it's just rewiring these habits and it takes time, the, but you're not a failure, Emma. And that's the no. other thing is that this people equate their net worth or their money mistakes to who they are. And that's when they talk about shame, that shame is your identity. So, so take those apart that you are not the past mistakes that you've made. You are not your net worth. That is not who you are, Emma. And so there's a, a level there that I want you to, to release that because that stuff will follow you and those lies will just will play a play a tape in your head that you don't need yeah you're you're doing better than you think you are especially considering how 
blunt the instrument is you're using. Yeah, but stay on the line, so, Emma, because Austin, I want to give her Know Yourself, Know Your Money, and Every Dollar Premium. You're so you going to love that book, this. Emma, because it's exactly talking about you. It's the number one bestseller, and you don't want to miss it. It's Know Yourself, Know Your Money by Rachel Cruz. And uh, it's all that, not only family history, but your tendency, scarcity, abundance, all that stuff. It's brilliantly done. You will love it, and we'll put you in the Every Dollar budgeting app, and that will change everything. You and your husband do that together and yeah. turn off the stupid TV and tell the six-footers to go in the other room. We're working on the budget. <laughs> this is The Ramsey Show. Hey, folks, it's Dave Ramsey. And Rachel Cruz. And we want to tell you our number one tip for managing your money well. I'm talking about budgeting. Yes, and everyone knows that I am a huge fan of budgeting. (laughs) Well, that hasn't always been the case, though, has it, Rachel? No, but listen, I seriously love it now because as soon as I started making a budget, I learned that it puts you in control of your spending. And my favorite way to budget is on our app, Every dollar. Yep. Every dollar makes budgeting simple. It's the easiest way to make a plan for your spending so you can prioritize the things that matter to you. And you can get started today for free. Just download the app and check the show notes for the link. And you guys don't wait to start budgeting. Download every dollar and create your free account today. Do it. It's the best. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey Personalities, my co-host today. Ray is in El Paso, Texas. Hi, Ray. How are you? Hi, Dave. Rachel, thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Well, um, I was calling because I uh, recently moved to El Paso from Colorado. Uh, We sold the house in Colorado and made a good profit off of it. Um, We are renting in El Paso because we're not going to be there that long. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out what to do with this profit that I've made for the next at least five years, probably hopefully not much longer after that until we're ready to use it for uh, the next piece of property or, or home. That we, that You're going to be there five years? Uh, we are probably only going to be in El Paso about three. I'm, I'm active duty. I'm oh, okay. there, but okay. I'm, I'm near retirement, so we won't stay. Okay. Nine, 93% of the five-year periods in the stock market's history have made money. So if okay. you put it in a good growth stock mutual fund or just an S&P 500, which is a good growth stock mutual fund, and leave it alone five years, 93 times out of 100, you'll make some money. And uh, this year, you would have made 17 18% on your money. Right. Okay. Now, okay. Here, here, the, here this. 66% of the three-year periods made money. One out of three times, if you leave it alone only three years, would you make money? One out of three times, you'd lose money. Two out of three times, you'd make money. Okay? Okay. Now, here's the trade-off. Uh, how much money are we talking about? Uh, $170,000. Okay. And so if you lost 10%, that'd be highly unusual in either one of those scenarios. Losing money might be losing 3%. Okay, but if you lost 10%, you lost $17,000. It does not wreck your world. Right. Okay, so I'm putting it in a growth stock mutual fund, something like an S&P. You can sit down with a SmartVestor Pro. If you're going to leave it alone at least three years, there is a small probability you would actually be backwards, but you're not going to be backwards so much that you lose half of it or something. That would be, like, statistically almost impossible based on history. Okay. And so I do have, like, 
some good investments already, uh, like in broker portfolio. And I, I saw the same things you just said when I looked at it, but I think I'm just a little bit gun shy because it's more money than I've ever had yeah. to deal with before. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you need to be prepared of is, is say, could I, could I, could I deal with it? it what, what's an absolute statistically, you know, 1% of the time, if you had a horrible, you, you were the absolute worst three-year period that you could have possibly picked and you lost 20%, you lost 30 grand. You're still okay. okay. You're okay. Right. But you're not going to lose $100,000 on this, okay? I, I'm not. I mean, I, I really, I don't think you are. I mean, unless, uh, we got other problems in the economy if you lose that much. Yeah. This whole place has got issues then. So um, so I oftentimes, in my situation, I can absorb that risk. And so I'll take a chunk, even if I'm not even leaving alone three years, and I'll still throw it to an S&P. So I throw spare change into an S&P until I get enough in there to buy a piece of real estate is what I do. But it might only sit in there a year and a half. But this year, I would have made 17% on it versus if I put it in a high-yield savings account, I would have made 4%. Yeah, they're doing great, though. 4%. For, for that, you know, but I mean, really, it's, it's, it's humorous that they call it high-yield. It's basically no, I, a CD. I, it's a certificate of depreciation. Yeah. But, right. You know. Thanks for your service. Yes. I appreciate that. And that's exciting about, the, about getting some money and seeing, seeing where it goes. Cool beans. Very good stuff. Jay is in Atlanta. Hi, Jay. How are you? Hey, Dave. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Better than I deserve. What's up? Yep. Um, the reason I called in today, I recently accepted a uh, sales position with a uh, with a new company. And the details that they gave me during the interview process for the number of appointments that kept and then can... Um, close rate and everything like that does not reflect the reality and the numbers are greatly skewed. Um, the close rate, for instance, was 33% during the interview. The reality is about 12%. And then appointments kept is, is they said majority were kept. And then it well, was, what were you uh, selling before? 35%. Um, <laughs> so I've sold financial products in the past. Yeah. When have you ever seen but, a 33% close rate? I would have smelled uh, a rat a as soon as I saw that. This is a different type of it's it's uh, outside sales and I know. Yeah, that's high. So, yes, it, it is very high, and that does actually reflect some of the some of the actual sales. Okay, are they incompetent the or are they crooked? I. To, to be honest, I'm brand new there, and I don't know the the numbers for these types of leads are at twelve percent. Is the and, um, I know, but I'm, I'm saying with you or with other yeah. people working there? Uh, no, this is uh, with other people working there. Yeah, okay. like this is across the board with this particular type of lead. So you've been able to check this out, and it's system wide. It's twelve percent. Yes. Okay. And so they're the, either the incompetent goal, or they lied. Yeah. Yes. Both are scary to work for. Yeah, and I actually turned down another job um, to take this one. I had multiple offers on the table, and this one seemed like the better offer. Yeah, but and I mean, so I don't know how to. That, that's water under the bridge now. Do you want to work there anymore? Yeah. That's the question. I honestly probably not. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't think I do. The last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, right, so I, I'm, I'm a lot more scared company? of incompetent than I am crooks, actually. But I don't want to work for either one. Yeah. There's very few crooks, but there's a lot of enthusiastic ignoramuses out there. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so what so, do you? What, so how what's, would you approach? 
yeah. What, what's I don't the, think you can go in and confront them and change them. Well, now, how would you approach a uh, another company that you had a job offer from? I would just tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth. Okay. These guys, you know, I, I, they gave me a close rate, and I got over there, and it was one third of it. And um, yeah. so, you know, and and it was all, it was almost a tie with you guys anyway. I would have loved to have gone to the prom with you, but um, you know, the other girl lied to me, so. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, if you came to us and you told us that, we would feel like we were your second choice. But we were. But it's okay. God worked but if it out. They really and you're wanted here. you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's obvious yep. you went somewhere else. Well, so it's you obvious, might as well Jay, tell you're the story. good at what you do if you have multiple offers. So even if one of those companies doesn't, I'm sure there's another one out there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I have another outstanding offer as well. Yeah. So I yeah. think you're fine. I so. just I don't think you're going to feel good about this company. I wouldn't. Okay. I mean, I, I've just talked to you for three minutes. I don't feel good about them, but maybe there's more information that I don't have, but that you have. But um, if if I literally, I mean, I, I had a guy that worked here that decided that we were lacking in integrity on an issue, and he quit. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's what you should do. You shouldn't work for people that you don't think has integrity. I actually thought we had yeah. integrity. He didn't. He quit. That's okay. I get that. I, I don't want to work for somebody I don't think mm-hmm. has integrity. And so, you know, I, you know, I don't even want people, I don't want people working here that think that we're incompetent or that think well, we don't have integrity. Sure. Yeah. You should go somewhere else. I mean, you should go somewhere because it's hard to be enthusiastic yeah, about these people. I, I, cause I, and, and too, Jay, if you stay in that, I'm like, I would be probably looking over my shoulder. Anything that they say, I'm yeah, going to have to what, like cut the, ev- what they say in the thirds. Cause I'm like, you're obviously don't know either what you're talking about or you're lying to me. So yeah. yeah, that's not a yeah forty hour. You're gonna be working there full time. I'm like, that's too many hours well, in your week to, sell to be thinking with about people that. you don't believe in. I mean, yeah. Please come do business with this company that doesn't tell the truth. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. That's it's really sorry, difficult. Jay. Though yeah. that sucks. That's horrible to go through that. I know, Man, I'm sorry. It makes you mad. Mm-hmm. But um, and you kind of feel mad at yourself a little bit because you missed it. You know, I would. And I'm not I saying know. I'm not I saying just, he should. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a normal human emotion. Yeah. To kind of like, cow, what, how dumb am I? You know? I just believe everyone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would be like, okay. <laughs> I do. I mean, but, you know, I had a guy working here that was lying to me and I believed him. And I, I'm like, how dumb am I? Because I believe the guy. Right. But he's a pathological liar. But, you know, I believed him. That's yeah. my, it's my, I'm dumb. You know, and I, I feel, I, you get, that's a normal thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, there you go. Sorry, Jay. I'm sorry. Go get you another sales job. You're obviously good at what you do. You got lots of offers. You're going to do great. Life's too short, man. That puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. From the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, co-host of the Smart Money Happy Hour on the Ramsey Networks, and my daughter is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. The phone number is 888-825-5225. 
Cheryl is in Medford, Oregon. Hi, Cheryl. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thank you, Dave and uh, Rachel, for taking my call. This is a first-time caller, and I'm a little... Um, uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, Thank we're you. honored to have you. Glad How can you're we here, help? Cheryl. Big breath. So, um, I have a question. Um, I'm in my late 60s, and I'm married happily to my husband. Um, we have five adult children. I've been listening for about a year, and um, what's changed in my situation is my mom passed away about five months ago. Mm, sorry. And mm, um, sorry. thank you. Um, it's been, uh, she was sick for a while, so, uh, you know, it still was hard, but the situation is she left. We grew up on a piece of property uh, there, and she's been there since about 1958, and we all grew up there, and now this property is in a trust, and we're all trying to figure out how to divide it amongst us. And it's just been um, really volatile. Not that I um, haven't contributed to it, because I, I'm, you know, a woman. But um, I just want to do and honor the Lord, and just, you know, honor my sister and my brother. But it's difficult because they've all put a lot of money into the ranch, and my mother has it in the estate that she wants it divided amongst us. And we've kind of been an outsider because we've ranched in other places. And now uh, we're here now, and we're just trying to figure out our role so in that. So what, what, what is the trust asking people to do, and what is it they don't want to do? Um, the trust has asked that we divide it equally amongst ourselves. How is that fair opinion. if they put money into it and you didn't? Um, let's see how do I go about that. Um they, they invested it in areas that benefited them in, in kind of a, an area that they wanted to. Um, How did it benefit them? They didn't own it. Did they make money well, off of that? Yes. One was in uh, hemp, um, trying to grow hemp for a couple of years and building a building that um, utilized that resource. And then another was. Yeah, but in, that building um, now has a value, regardless of whether hemp's in it or not. Correct. 50,000. Yeah. And that, that building, if they built that building with their money, your mom didn't, that should be their money, right? Correct. If I was them, that's how I would see it. Okay. Which is, let me tell you, the whole idea that they would build a building on someone else's property without having everything lined out in the trust in detail was pretty stupid because it sets up a big argument. Your mother and um, your brothers and sisters should have their butts kicked for not doing this properly because it leaves you in a lurch. So they, what is it they're wanting to do, the brothers well, and sisters? I, my sister has moved a lot of property. Uh, let's see, has mil- moved buildings onto the property and put buildings on the property, some of them legitimate and some of them not. And then she wanted um, 150000 for providing care for my mother. Mm-hmm. But the trust doesn't allocate that. No, and then her she lived on the property and her children did. 50% of her children did at the same time for the last five years. With no rent? Correct. Okay. All right. Mm. And so, um, well, uh, so I guess the negotiating is that um, I, I assume you guys have an estate. Is there, who's the trustee? My brother. Oh, Jesus. Okay. The youngest. And so he's really caught in this. Bless his heart. Yeah, but, yeah he is. Yeah. You, okay, you, you so his job 
unless you guys come to a mutual conclusion otherwise. He doesn't have a choice. He legally has to follow the terms of the trust, whether he wants to or not. His only out is that everyone agree to something different and go along with it. But otherwise, he's going to divvy this up straight up. He has to, because otherwise he's liable for suit. He has a fiduciary trust responsibility as the trustee to execute the terms of the trust. If he doesn't, any one of you that are the beneficiaries would have have cause against him. So, Cheryl, the fact that you know that there's other, you know, they've put money into it. How are you feeling? Are you are you on one side saying, yeah, you got to divide it up a third, a third, a third. It's what it says. Or are you like, I want to be fair in this and do the right thing. I just don't know what it is. Where are you at in all of it? Well, it's kind of complicated because um, all the assets are on one part of the property. It's it's worth 2.2, but it's hard. uh, Some of it's exclusive farming, and so you can't really do anything with it and not necessarily can build on it. And that's the part that we've been interested in. But then when we research it, it's going to be pretty expensive to try to you know, put things that we have to do to live there, and we live about an hour away. Why don't you just Mine? sell it? And that's that's a possibility, too. Your part. I mean, been, just sell your part. Oh. Well, we've, we just wanted to farm. You know, it's kind of our way to, to try to – well, we have cattle. We don't have a place for them. We've had a, we have a couple at, at the ranch right now, but we have um, – So you're thinking about moving on the property? Well, we've been thinking about it, but it's been a little Next door to all these people that you disagree with. Well, that sounds that's, joyful. That's, that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, I know? guess so. That doesn't sound fun at all. Like next door to my brother who's still mad about something that happened 15 years ago. Oh, my God. Uh, I would have to have real good, solid, loving, harmonious relationships before I'd want to live next door to him. And I don't know if this story you're telling me ends there. So you need to consider that part of it. But here's the here's the here's your bottom line on the whole thing. Let's pretend that you wanted to allow your hemp brother and your sister tenant to get a little more than you got because they put buildings on it. In my mind, uh, the care that she provided for your mom is offset by the fact she got free rent. So that's absolute bull. I'm dropping that one if I'm you. But um, she gets nothing. Uh, she already got it. It's called free rent. And so then, then whoever brought buildings on will take the value of those buildings mm-hmm. out of the equation and then split what's left three ways. Then they get their buildings back. And so that because you should not benefit, I don't think, ethically from them putting a building on the property because you didn't put money in it. It's their money. Again, the whole thing was dumb, 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 dumb that you all let that the family did this. Doing this stuff is how people end up not speaking to each other generationally. You end up with the Hatfields and the McCoys. And so, yeah, you're just it's just dumb but anyway it's all that's water under the bridge but let's say that you said all right we're going to take the buildings off now we run an appraisal then you get your buildings back on so you you know you got you got your buildings back and then i get my third of what's left i would agree to doing that and no hundred and fifty thousand that is exchanged for the free rent if you all agree to that then little brother the trustee can go along with that otherwise he has to execute the trust he does not have a choice This is The Ramsey Show.
Thanks for joining us, America. We're so glad you're with us. We appreciate you being here. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Open phones at 888-825-5225. All right, guys. uh, Last call uh, about the estate that's messed up and the late 60s brothers and sisters that are left fighting because their parents and them did business very poorly. Uh, What is the takeaway? Number one takeaway. If you're 18 years old or older, you need a will. Period. Now, let's understand what a will is. If I, if I have a will, if I uh, will it for, if it is my will for Rachel to be on this show, she's on the show, okay, as a guest or as a host, co-host, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, if I have a, if, if it is my will to wear a green jacket today, I will get it out of the closet. That's, that's what you want to have happen is your will, Okay. That's what having a will means. This is what you will. It's what you want to have happen. In your last will and testament, it's the last thing you want to have happen, and you are testifying to that fact. That's all that means. So this is what I want to have happen when I do a will. And the executor of the will, the word executor is one who executes. They execute what I wanted to have happen. They don't have a choice. Same is true of a trustee on a trust. The executor can't change the will. It's not their job. And uh, even if they don't like it, even if they think it's not fair, they can't just change it. The trustee can't change the terms of the trust. It's not their job. Their job is to execute those the, the, what that person intended to have happen, what they wanted, what they willed to have happen, and they testified to that fact. Okay, so keeping your will up to date is huge. It should be done in the state, according to the laws of the state in which you reside. So if you change states, get a new will. Any other major thing that happens, divorce, get a new will. Death of a someone that's in the will, get a new will. Update your freaking will. Because it's incomplete, it's wrong, you can't execute it if you live in Idaho and you did a will in Tennessee. Okay? It doesn't, it's not federal law, it's state law. Probate law is state law. So you, it's done according to the laws of the state you reside in when you die. And so if your will is done something or asked for something to be done that the laws of that state you're residing in don't allow and you haven't updated it, you're screwed up the whole thing. This is called grown-up paperwork. Grown-ups do a will. Well, I might die. You're going to die. It does not increase your probability of death when you do a will. You're going to die. There's a 100% death rate in the human race, okay? Plus or minus Elijah and Jesus, okay? The rest of us are going to die, okay? So that's it. You're going to get a will. Go to Mama Bear Legal Forms if you have a basic uh, life and you don't have a lot of complication and get an inexpensive will online. It's a great will, but it's state-specific. Mama Bear Legal Forms, we've endorsed them for years. You've got a complicated situation, get an attorney. Get an estate planning attorney. I have spent an amazing amount of money on estate planning to keep the government's freaking hands off of it. And then once a year, we have a little meeting with all the Ramseys and all the leaders at Ramsey, and we tell everybody again. And it's labeled, if Dave dies this year. That's the <laughs> name of the meeting, if Dave dies this year. 
It's we call it the Monty Python meeting. I'm feeling much better. It's just a flesh wound. (laughs) But yeah, uh, oh my God. And we sit and talk about my death for an hour and a half. And, and what happens? Dives, to, what has good. changed since last year in the operation of Ramsey and the operation of this piece of real estate? Is he going scuba diving? What are all the ways? I do all the stuff. Happen. I do all the stuff. So I'm not going to quit doing all the stuff. That's no. not the point because I'm going to die. It's part of the program. So I'm, I'm good with that because heaven's on the other side of it. I'm perfectly good with that. So anyway, get a freaking will. And when you're going to do stuff with a family piece of ground like that family had, and you're going to, I'm going to move in with Mama, and I'm going to take care of Mama. Oh, by the way, I'm charging all y'all 150 k Well, kiss my butt. I don't think so. We can stop that on the front end. We don't have to have an issue here. You're going to move in and take care of Mom? So are you expecting to be paid? Uh, we're going to write all this down. Uh, or we think you should be paid because I'm happy you're there to take care of Mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy with that. And so if you get more of the estate because you took, I'm happy with that. But we should do all of this in writing as a part of the program and then not leave it behind confused. And so if you're doing something in your will, like I'm not going to leave Jim Bob any money because Jim Bob does heroin and he'll go get heroin and kill himself. So Jim Bob, you're out of the will. Go ahead and tell Jim Bob while you're alive. Because he's going to be pissed, and you might as well have the pleasure of him being pissed while you're alive. You might as well so stir make it him up. Off heroin. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> stir it up. Stir it up. He, maybe it'll clean him up. But I mean, go ahead. You know this this stuff of mm-hmm. we're going to go into the paneled office of the lawyer and the weird uh, plastic surgery induced stepmother and the uh, inbred child and all this other stuff in there like some movie are all and we're going to have a reading of the will that only happens in a movie okay a bad movie and we've all seen the movie all right several of them so in real life real people go ahead and communicate with their family they say brother is putting a fifty thousand dollar hemp building on the property god help us and so brother is going to get not gonna that, that fifty thousand dollar building yes. is not going to be included in the value that is split three ways because it's his freaking money okay. and we're going to write that into the trust before brother because he apparently smoking the hemp put the building on there without freaking okay. dictating that he was going to get his own money back okay so people listening though right now god need to get a will yes but what do you say to people because i get this question a lot that my parents they don't want to talk about it they don't want to do a will. Whenever we try to bring up the conversation, they shut it down. Well, then don't put they, a building on their property. Okay, I know. But but what's your advice? What would you say to someone, though, that's like, how do I help my parents see that they need a will so that we're not in this situation? Mom and Dad, we love you so much. We would love to see that your legacy is carried out the way you want it to be carried out. When it's all in your head, nobody knows what the flip you want to have happen. So maybe you ought to write it down. It's called a will. It's what grown-ups do. Okay. That's and by <laughs> the way, by the way, the government's going to end up with a bunch of this too if you don't if you're going to screw around and do this right. Some of these estates, that's a two million dollar estate there. Yep, yep. That one is not going to be subject to federal estate tax now, but it would have been under Obama. Okay. And so uh, Trump's estate uh, limits are still in place right now because Biden hadn't gotten around to screwing that up. But uh, but he will eventually once he wakes up from well anyway the um all right so I mean seriously people write it down 
and then have a review with your family. Here's what we want to have happen. I'll give you another example, okay? The, this is public knowledge, so I'm not telling some big tale. The Ramsey kids now own the vast majority of this company. I own a minority position, but I own the only voting stock, so I'm still in control. Okay? We transferred that out of our names. Sharon will get none of this company if I die before Sharon does. It'll go straight to the kids as part of our estate plan. By the way, Sharon knows that. Sharon doesn't want anything to do with this place. The kids are going to run it. That's what she does. She just wants money. That's all she wants. And so we got that. We got Miss Sharon set up because we the whole estate plan is also presupposing I'm going to die first, which means she has a plan. <laughs> so, golly. So anyway, that's an example, though. Okay, that's a weird thing. It didn't go to my wife and then to my kids. Mm-hmm. It went straight to my kids. And uh, and she's one of the owners prior to that. Yeah. Too. So. But you talk about this crap, and you put it down in writing. It's called a will. It's called a trust that's updated. So people, do your will and tell everybody about it that is in it or not in it so that they don't have to fight about it later. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Rachel Cruz is my co-host today. Dennis is in Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Hi, how are you? Uh, So my name is Dennis. I'm 20 years old. And my question is, uh, is it crazy that I'm asking my mom for a loan of $8,000? Now, I know the question sounds crazy because there's not really a backstory. So can I give you a brief backstory to go with it? Sure, sure. Okay, so I've been investing for about two years now. Um, I started my freshman year in college, and I've been day trading for about a year and a half. Um, uh, my closest, one of my closest friends is a, a up-and-coming hedge fund manager, so I, I get a little bit of information from him, but I'm mainly an investor. Um, about a, a year ago, a year and a half ago, before I started really day trading, um, I was only a referee. That's my only job I have because I'm in college. So I might make $500 in a weekend, and I would take uh, probably about $300 out of that 500 and put it into Webull to invest and then just keep the other 200 to live off, and uh, I would just keep doing that. And at one point, I asked my mom for $3,000 because my um, my father had just paid all of our child all of my child support at one time, myself, my year. Um, it was $40,000, and I was still trying to – um, you know, wait, minute, wait, 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 wait. Where, where's the money? Why do you need money if you're day trading? Why do I need money? Yeah. Did you lose all your money? Yes. Okay. So that's okay, what so I So you suck at so, day trading and you want her to give not, you money. Not really because. From yeah, really. That, you lost um, all your money. I, you suck at it. Well, it was from a head because I've also made all the money. I didn't lose. Where's the money? How much money do you have? How much money do you have? Right now, I I don't have any money in my brokerage account because I took took the rest of it out because I didn't want to go any lower. How much money have Um, you lost day trading? uh, I lost about 15,000 in a a week. You suck. That's what made me take my money out. Yeah. But I've also gained about 27,000 in less than a year. Yeah. So, okay. Let let me give you the numbers on this. Okay. 78% of day traders lose money net net. When the story Mm -hmm. is over, 
eight out of 10 day traders lose money. 20 year old day traders who referee it's the numbers approaching a hundred percent. Don't do this anymore. And And your mother's right. No, she should not give you money. I would not give you money because you're going to lose it. Even if, even if you can see that the gains are there and if you check the money, I just told you eight out of 10 day traders lose money. You're 20 freaking years old and you referee games on the weekend. What makes you think you're better than the others people? I I don't, but okay, you're going to lose money then. Yes, I understand that. I then why would you money. keep doing this? It, it gives me more money to invest. At, at a certain point, my mom told me, like her mindset, she nobody in the family invests or does any of this stuff. Good, because so they don't want to do it time, like you. She told me that I was stupid. She's right. Well, no, I was, I was first investing. This is when she told me that I was dumb for investing, for taking half my paycheck and just investing in stuff. I I recently just found out day trading. And at first, I didn't day trade. I would just hedge. So that's where it had brought me up the amount of money. I bought some SDAO calls and bought some SDAO Dennis, you are playing a game that guys that get paid millions of dollars a year play, and most of them aren't good at it. I mean, guys that run multi-billion dollar mutual funds do what you do, and they still have questionable results. It takes them years and years and years of training and experience to do this. Not, I've got a friend who was once worked for a hedge fund and I'm 20 and I referee on the weekends. You are, you are the recipe of a disaster, sir. Please don't do this anymore. Your mom is right. She smells a rat and it's, you're, you're going to hurt yourself, son. Stop it. I don't think I'm going to talk you out of it. Cause I think you're convinced yourself, but dude, I mean, listen, if eight out of 10 people that walk down the street named a street get attacked by a bear and killed don't walk down a street i mean this is it this it's not i mean why do i think what am i going to do get a bear suit i mean no i mean don't walk down a street eight out of ten people that walk down the street a bear kills them son that's what i'm telling you you know and dennis and, I th- and please don't act like you're different yeah and i think the appeal right when you get rich quick it is that's what i'm saying is i'm like uh, there there's such a better formula to handle your money long term um and i think you have the you know you have the capacity to do that to do it the right way dennis that lowers the risk it's not going to be as exciting and it's not going to be like boom boom oh my gosh this this and that it's not going to bring that but it's going to bring a level of stability and build a really great financial life for yourself by starting great habits i'm like just Slow down. If you have debt, Dennis, yeah. pay it off. Have some cash in the bank to save. I mean, you're you you hustle. You you're looking for opportunity. It's just your momentum and your focus is just geared in a way that's really risky, and you're not going to come out better on the other end. Yeah, playing the versus com- doing playing the commodities else. market is almost as dumb, if not dumber. I did that. I had a finance degree. I actually know something about this stuff. Formally, academically studied it. Hello. Um, it was not, I had a friend that was in a hedge fund and a guy comes to me and he goes, Hey, my buddy over here has been doing gold trades and we're going to buy some futures on the gold trades. The last 11 times that he has picked the future date and our, our, our purchase rate on the thing, 
Um, and if we put in five thousand bucks, we'll get fifty thousand out. The last he's eleven for eleven on his last five. Guess what? I put in five thousand bucks. He the twelfth one he missed, which means you lose the whole five thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. You either get fifty or you get nothing. That's how this works. So, so that was my gold investment because I'm just as stupid and dumb. I mean, just as everybody else. I had to try it because I'm smarter than everybody else. Let me tell you, pride goes right before the fall. Once you think you find somebody's got it all figured out and they got a system, yeah, bull crap, okay? The only system that works is long-term investing in long-term track record things where 80 90% of the people doing it make money, not where 80 90% of the people lose money and you think you're the freaking exception. This is how Vegas has operated. Everybody thinks they're the exception, and that's why Bellagio has nicer furniture in their lobby than you do because you paid for it. You people that thought you were smarter than the house. That's why they have Chalui or whatever that uh, architecture. It is crazy. What, you... what is the name of that uh, famous sculpture that does the lighting? Oh, I know. Chalui or whatever lighting in the, in the lobby. Of, With uh, the, massive. the blown glass. Yeah. Probably, probably Chihui. Yeah. Chihui? Is that it? Thank you. The guys in the booth are trying to help me with my hillbilly, but uh, yeah, it's like a million dollar fixture in the lobby, right? Fantastic. Right over the right over the right over where you check in, and guess who paid for that? Stupid people. That's who paid for that. Okay, people that thought they were going to beat the house. Listen, if you do it for entertainment and you're out of debt, stupid people. Small amount of money, and you choose. It's not entertaining to lose money. (laughs) It's not entertaining to think you're the exception of the rule. I know. But they make yeah, you, you feel do. that way. <laughs> I'm a 50 50 story. Oh, God. Help us. You and Dennis go invest together. Right? <laughs> uh, that's what you all need to do. <laughs> no, it's just the long term play, Dennis. Yeah, we just don't, wanna... don't, don't please. And stop. hey, great for refereeing. And, you yeah, were kind of laughing. Good for you. you. Were no, I'm just that. saying that does not qualify job. you to be a yes. day trader. I know. Because <laughs> you can call a five year old soccer game. This doesn't set you up to be a day trader it's not it's not like the prerequisite to winning at day trading so um you know he does do hard work thank you for that yes and yes. thank you for earning some extra money and so you're forth but great, i think dennis. your mom just... is a precious lady i love her she's got some sense mom don't give dennis any money <laughs> there you go uh not for day trading that's right so, sorry dennis you didn't get what you wanted here but you will always get the truth because we love you and we don't want to lie to you we want you to have a good life and so we're always going to tell you the truth even if it's fun. This is The Ramsey Show. Our scripture of the day, Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. That's the blessings on the house of Israel, on the people of Israel, the promise when they go into the promised land. The curse is you borrow. The blessing is you are having rain on your land in its season. Jim Henson said the only way the magic works is by hard work. But hard work can be fun. Father father of the Muppets. Yes, I didn't know that. All right, Stephanie is up. Stephanie is in Minneapolis. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Uh, so a little bit of context. My husband and I are three years into marriage. We did a Ramsey-ish thing for the past two years, but we have gotten really gazelle intense on baby step two. 
um, and we are looking to be out of debt within the next eight or so months. Congratulations. Thanks. So as we're doing this, of course, Murphy comes around. And what we're facing right now is that my husband's mom uh, is looking at about $50,000 in dental work that needs to be done. All of her teeth have to be extracted. She needs dentures or implants or something like that. And she is looking to us for help. So Uh, She called and asked my husband to fill out a loan application while she was at the dentist. And he was like, I can't do this right now. I'll call you back later. So, of course, we talked and learned more that she's hoping that maybe we would, if we aren't willing to do that, we take out a home equity line of credit or maybe sell the house. So as a little bit of background, my husband purchased this home for his mom a few years back before we got married. Uh, But by purchase, I mean, she paid the down payment um, and she has been giving him money to pay the mortgage, but he had the credit score. He had just graduated from college. And so they used his credit score, his name for first time home buyer. And um, this debt has been weighing on him because if anything happens to her at any moment, then we are now responsible for that house as well. You live in that house? We do not live in that house. Okay. Where is that house? That house is in Connecticut. Oh, that's her house. Yes. Okay. So Uh, she's going to sell her house. No, it's technically in his name. So oh, so he, he could sell he could sell the house that she lives in, and right. get get rid of the debt, and she would have the money for her dental out of the house that is hers. It's morally right. hers, but it's in his name. Right. So yeah. then we don't understand fully the tax implications of selling the house and then giving her that money. Uh, how much money is it? Home. Uh, the dental work would be, no, no, no. How much is the house worth? Oh, the house is worth about 350, 360,000. Okay. What did they pay for it? 235,000. I mean, 360 and 235. Was that the two numbers? Yes. And how long have they had it? Uh, probably about six years now. Okay. All right. And he's not been depreciating it as a rental property on his taxes. Has he? Nope. Okay, good. And, um, okay, there may be a little bit of tax involved, but it won't be a ton, okay? Mm-hmm. It'll be 15% of the gain. The gain would be 360 minus the selling expenses, which will probably be 30000 so about 330 So you might have $100,000 in gain, and it might be $15,000 in taxes. So I would sell the house. And pay the okay. taxes and give her the money. Okay. And is there a gift tax on yeah, there would giving be. her yeah. that money? Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna have to you're gonna you're gonna have to manipulate this because this was a dumb bad deal. And it's gonna take yeah. a little bit of work to get out of it. But no, we're not borrowing money. If she wants to sell her house, by the way, she needs to get a second and third opinion. Uh, I've been doing yeah, financial coaching a long yeah. time. I have never yet heard of a fifty thousand dollar dental operation. Not mm-hmm. once. Unless there was some kind of car accident. Well, if they're taking all of her teeth out, you're going to put in veneers or something. I don't care. I I really want to get a second and maybe a third opinion. Okay. Okay, on this. In other words, if you're going to do a $50,000 remodel, you get three bids. Mm -hmm. The same thing here, okay, because I'm I'm suspect. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I think if mom wants to sell the house that's hers, 
we got to figure out what the tax implications are, and that money has to be held back, and the rest of the money she can have and use for her dental. Okay. But no, I'm not going to borrow money, no. And she doesn't, right. she, and don't put a HELOC on the house, obviously. No, not asking. in your name. You already got enough debt in your name. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so she's now a renter with good teeth. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, man, I'm sorry. What a mess. Let me tell you, though, this is a really clean break to something that's going to get worse year by year. Mm-hmm. This is going to go sideways at some mm-hmm. point because this lady doesn't handle money well, and he's propped her up with this purchase. And it's going to go sideways someday. So this is the this is a good time for it to go sideways and get it cleaned up and get all get his name off of all of her debt, the debt that's associated with her. Okay. So the best thing is to sell this house, let her take the money, and just keep whatever. The, we would this need house, to keep meaning the one taxes. she lives in, that's in your husband's right. name. Right. Yeah, but get yeah. to get tax. You got two types of taxes you have to consider. Like you said, gift tax. Is there a way to work around that? And then you also have to consider the capital gains tax on it. Capital gains tax probably going to be around ten or fifteen thousand bucks on this, based on what I, what you told me. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And there, if you can, you can probably move around some stuff on the gift tax and not have any. But you probably need to do a couple how much of, is gift tax? A couple the- of gyrations. It's ridiculous if you get into it. But um, what is the thing this year? I can't even remember. Let's get my cheat sheet out. Come on. It's fine. Uh, 16,022. Okay. So it's probably up a little bit from that. So it's probably 20,000. So, you know, that, that, she, that much of it's not going to be taxable, but the rest of it, they're going to have to do something with. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you, you're going to, you need tax advice and you need a realtor. Um, but I think this whole story is going to change when you tell mom, the house is sold. Cause right now all she's wanting to do is borrow mm-hmm. and now she's got to move. So I think this is going to change. I bet you the whole thing blows up, but I'm just, but I'm trying to stir up trouble because trouble needs to be stirred up here because it's going to come sooner or later. Yeah. And we might as well go ahead and get it out of the way because, um, yeah, you don't have a money problem, Stephanie. You got a mother-in-law problem and I'm trying to help you with that. So get, get her. With and that's what's hard about good, clear boundaries. Yep. And in know. that situation, like she said, yeah. you graduated college, had a good credit score. Mom needs a house. I'll take it out in my name, right? All the your this, husband. This stuff. This stuff happens. Your well. husband didn't tell his mother no when he should have. But he wouldn't know too, though. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Is a lot of this stuff, though. This is where it is. It's the, it's the good intention. Yeah, it makes sense. Mom can't get the house, but I can put it in my name. She can pay me. Like it all sounds good until yeah. you're married. Exactly. <laughs> True. <laughs> And also, it's that's why you have to be careful with money and the good intention with family members and friends. So don't put your name on other people's debt ever. And if you're gonna loan, if you want to, if someone's asking for a loan, you either give it or say no. But this whole like attach your name to my stuff and my money thing that it just gets weird. It gets weird. So remember, clean everything yeah. needs to be clean. I guess I'm going to get hate mail from dentists, but that's okay. I'm trying to get no, more, I'm trying to get, trying to get more of them. I business. think dental stuff is expensive, though. Yeah, well, yeah, and sometimes, and yeah, check it, get a bid. Yes, get get another opinion. It's not a bid. Yeah. It's a we're not getting we're not doing drywall, but don't get a bid. But yeah, yeah let's Second, get get several get several opinions yep. and estimates. And is there other ways to? solve this Fix issue problem yeah because this sounds like a complete reconstruction like a, a car wreck or something yes like oh man nasty extracting everything and 
Whole new set of teeth. Mm. Young, 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 young people. You 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 22-year-olds. Parents come to you asking you to do stuff like this. Don't. I love you, Mom. No. I love you, Mom. No. And by the way, no is a I love you, Dad. complete no. freaking sentence. There you go. I love you, Dad. No. <laughs> Sometimes the dads. Yeah. Well, this was Mom. Were you I, mom? Know, I know, I know. Come on. Come on. <laughs> that puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Hey, it's Rachel Cruz, co-host on The Ramsey Show. If you want to do your debt-free scream live on the show, visit RamseySolutions.com slash debt-free scream. We'd love for you to come to Nashville and tell Dave your story. That's RamseySolutions.com slash debt-free scream. 